might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we are talking about something all of us are witnessing, especially in the media and politics. It's crazy out there. Groupthink and irrational minds. You know, there is so much groupthink going on out there, but people don't really define what is groupthink. And it's, it's, a, it's really just a phenomenon. And, and it occurs when a group of, of people that are pretty well intended uh, make irrational or non-optimal decisions. And, and it's usually the urge to uh, conform or to believe that dissent is, is impossible. So the premature consensus uh, is, which is characteristic of all groupthink, is usually fueled by a particular agenda, or it may be due to a, a, a group members valuing harmony or coherence above critical thought. And, and this term was was really introduced in, I think, in November '71 uh, in Psychology Today. There was a uh, psychologist, or is uh, named Irving Janus, and Janus. He, he did a whole bunch of research on uh, group decision-making under conditions of stress. And, and since then, uh, other researchers, including him, have found that in a situation that can be characterized as groupthink, people tend to uh, refrain from ex- expressing their doubts, their judgments, or, or disagreement with the consensus. And in the interest of making a decision, they, th- that furthers the group cause, and then members may also ignore ethical or moral consequences. And, and so, so while it's pretty uh, often invoked at the level of uh, politics or within business organizations, this thing, this, this group think thing, can, can also refer to even subtler processes of social and, and e- even ideological uh, conformity. And so groups that prioritize their group identity and behave coldly towards outsiders may be more likely to fall victim to this groupthink uh, mentality. And so organizations that, that dissent, uh, it, they're discouraged or openly punished, are, are similarly uh, likely to engage in groupthink when making decisions. So high stress is another root cause. As and at the time that that pressure comes about, it demands a fast decision. And so even in small cases, groupthink triggers decisions that aren't ideal or that often ignore uh, critical information. And so in, in these areas, like politics, which is absurdly being demonstrated these days, the military you know, also has this groupthink, uh, police, firefighters, you know, groupthink can have a much worse consequences, uh, leading groups to ignore ethics, morals, uh, prioritize their goals uh, as being specific to what they want, and then ignore countless uh, uh, other consequences that have a ripple effect after what they do. And sometimes this instigates death and destruction. If you look at the <clears throat> George Floyd case, that's blown everything completely out of the water as far as the way things used to be in some healthy ways and in some unhealthy ways. So, you know, 
it, it, by definition, groupthink results in a decision that is irrational and often dangerous. And it's possible for for people to make decisions harmoniously and, and with little disagreements in ways that are not necessarily indicative to groupthink. So, so you know, our functioning uh, uh, groups can and should have some conflict, debate, uh, you know what I mean? It, it's It's not something that groupthink usually will allow. And so uh, the, the groupthink and the conformity are related, but really distinct concepts. And, and, and so groupthink really refers to a process of decision-making, and it can be motivated by a desire to conform. But it isn't always. You know, conformity, on the other hand, pertains to people who – uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, shift their behaviors, their appearances, their beliefs to sync up to those of the group. And so uh, risky or dangerous military maneuvers such as an escalation in Vietnam or invasion of Iraq, you know, are commonly cited as, as, as instances of groupthink. And, and in Janice's original thinking, he highlighted groupthink during uh, the 1961 uh, Bay of Pigs invasion. And so if you want to recognize, you know, group think, it's useful to identify situations in which it's most likely to happen. So when groups feel threatened, either either physically or, or through threats to their identity, they may develop a strong us versus them mentality. And this can prompt members to accept group perspectives, even when those perspectives don't necessarily align with their personal views. And so this may also occur in situations in which decision making is rushed and in some cases there's destructive outcome, as I said earlier. But, you know, you have to understand, look look at what's going on in the media. You've got uh, uh, Fox is definitely on the right and other media is generally on the left. CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, uh, MSNBC, all, the, all these groups are very strongly aligned with the left. And so basically what we get is groupthink on the right and on the left because they're juxtaposed to each other and running uh, for obviously the Senate, the, the Congress, and ultimately the presidency. And so what we're having to see is groupthink by media. And that is training our brains to align to people who are opposite of us or different than our perspectives that we've aligned to as a group. Now we start pulling, uh, pushing force against each other. And so the media is just doing a lot of uh, personal opinion and not a lot of news. And it's very sad to see that. It's really sad to see that. Uh, you know, great um, people that used to be uh, uh, hosts of the television news, uh, like Walter Cronkite, would be turning over in their grave if they had be witnessing what we see these days. You know, to minimize the risk, it's, it's critical to allow enough time for issues to really be discussed. And for as many uh, group members as possible to share their thoughts. And when dissent is encouraged, groupthink is less likely to occur. So, so if you learn about some common uh, biases as well as how to identify them, it, this also can reduce the likelihood of groupthink to happen. So individual members of, of the group uh, self-censoring, especially if they, their fear being shunned or, or derided for speaking their mind, it's one potential sign that group may engage in group think. And if those who do descend are pressured to recant or conform to the majority view, it may be similarly signaled as group think. So groups that can actively deride outsiders may be more likely to fall prey. 
And since groupthink often occurs because group members fear disagreeing with their leaders, it can be beneficial for the leader to temporarily step back and allow members to debate the issue themselves. You know, one member of a team can be appointed as the advocate or the devil's advocate. You know, who will argue against the consensus to highlight flaws? You know, healthy dissent has has been linked to more creative thinking and ultimately greater innovation within organizations. You know, this Black Lives Matters movement has been a great thing for a lot of change to be taking place in our society from an unconscious to a conscious level. And that means that uh, businesses, cities, organizations are rethinking how they view culture. And now uh, people are starting to look as a one, but that can be dangerous too. And that means that if Black Lives Matter, then we have to understand they're going to have a different point of view and they're not always going to be aligning to any kind of group think. You know, and, and people that believe from the Black Lives Matter, which hopefully many people do, and, and, and come into the idea that we're all as one, no matter what color we are, what creed, all that stuff, uh, that can be a good thing. But we can't fall into an alignment against each other. And, and, and unfortunately, that's what was happening in the early stages of this. And that's why a lot of people rejected the idea or, or became uh, less enthralled by it. Uh, because they started seeing uh, people aligned to, to political parties and stuff like that. You know, organizations that want to support critical thinking, creativity, innovation should first foster a culture where dissent is allowed and encouraged, and they should reward risk taking uh, and be open to ideas from everybody. You know, regardless of their experience or their position and create regular opportunities for individuals to share their ideas, big and small. But the whole idea is to develop something better. You know, when people argue in relationships, um, they're arguing to make their relationship better. They're not arguing to destroy each other or to hurt each other. And if you start to look at your conflicts as ways to improve life or improve your situation, that's a healthy debate. And it should be looked at in that way. You know, divergent thinking is essential in all industries. And divergent meaning uh, uh, creative thinking uh, where, we're explain- where we're looking at different ideas. You know, it helps people uh, find new profitable investment ideas, uh, new business ideas. It, it, it helps people become less fixated on, on what their friends are doing and blocks them from making their own fresh observations when they do that uh, and, and, and making good, confident decisions that they know they have thought through. You know, uh, there's a, this suppression of divergent thinking. And so creativity is often stifled by concerns about how others will judge their unique insights, their investment ideas, especially if they don't show a profit for a short time frame. You know, it seems easier to invest in everything that is popular that your friends own. But in the long run, the willingness to see the world differently and and, and put your money in something that others don't yet see is what leads to a lot of innovation and wealth creation. And I'm, I'm going in a financial direction because a lot of groupthink takes place in business and a lot of groupthink takes place in things that we don't want to think through and we want to let everybody else do and then we want to blame them. You know, in general, we tend to fear being wrong and ridiculed as a result of our independent thinking. And we fear being different 
because we want to belong. And we also know that defending a new idea is a lot of work. Yet, what if everyone else was wrong? And that happens, folks. That happens, especially when people make decisions via groupthink. You know, the natural response uh, to, to, to thinking about groupthink is, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not part of any groupthink because you don't want to believe that you are. But statistically, the opposite is really true. Groupthink inhibits critical thinking, genuine self-reflection, effective problem solving. When's the last time you Googled for an answer? Well, you assume that Google is always right. Well, that's not always true. And so the bottom line is, if you're going to problem solve, you need to do a little hard work. And anything hard makes your life easier because you've vested in that knowledge and now people can come to you to get that knowledge from you and hopefully you can influence them to have critical thinking. You know, um, take a a moment and just think about uh, these following questions. Are are you in a group in which you self-censor because you know that if you offer your point of view, you'll be ridiculed, shunned, or disregarded? Well, you know, I live here in Seattle, and I'd have to tell you that if you were to talk about being a Republican or being voting for Trump or doing something like that, you'd probably have your house uh, painted a new color or or, or lots of graffiti. And and God forbid you put a uh, American flag out front. Um, Just not going to happen in this city. It's it's a very radical city with a lot of radical points of view and a lot of intellects who believe they know what is right. A lot of people who don't believe in God, some people who do believe in God. It's 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 just enormous amounts of conflict in in this type of community. So there you go. With and I'm talking groupthink. I'm just talking in generalities. But you know, common sense says you have to be very careful. And, you know, is there any group in which you always automatically agree with all the opinions and the judgments of that particular group? If so, you're subject to group think. Is there a group in which you and other people in your group regard the opposing or competitive groups as evil or as stupid or as weak? There's group think. You know, it's actually a good thing if you answered yes to any of these questions because it really means that you've spotted an inevitable instance of groupthink that that actually operates in your life. And and you're already showing that you're open to to possibly change, which is the first key to a solid creative mindset. And that's called healthy. You know, the consistent practice of creative thinking, tools and strategies help you loosen the groupthink for yourself and your team as you continue to break through the inertia, you know, and, and it's important. You know, why does this thing occur? Well, think about the last time you were part of a group, you know, perhaps during a school project, uh, perhaps doing a work project. Imagine that someone proposes an idea that you think is, is really stupid. However, everyone else in the group agrees with the person who suggested the idea. And the group seems set on pursuing that course of action. Do you voice your dissent? You know, how, how do you just go along with the majority opinion? Well, if it's going to impact your job, whether or not you're going to have an income, I'd think you'd probably fold in. You know, many cases, people end up engaging in groupthink when they fear that their objections might disrupt the harmony, that might disrupt their work, might sus- make them a suspect of other people, that they may be rejected. You know, it tends to be the most prevalent 
uh, in conditions where there's a high degree of cohesiveness, you know, where there's situational factors that contribute to deferring to the group, such as external threats, moral problems, difficult decisions, and the structural issues, such as group isolation, a lack of impartial leadership. You know, that tends to happen. Look at what happened once again here in Seattle with the CHOP uh, neighborhood, the Capitol Hill neighborhood that got occupied. That was a nuts, but they had impartial leadership. They were not critically thinking. They were thinking as if they were victims and they were positioning themselves defensively as if they were victims. And not that the, some of them aren't victims. They are victims. But to go about it, uh, many, many of them have been victims, and that's where it's all coming from. But the line is you got to be critical thinkers. You don't just go take four city or eight city blocks without a strategy, without a thought, without coordination. That was crazy. But that's group think at its worst. You know, um, there's a whole lot of symptoms of group think also. And we're going to go into that in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about groupthink. Irrational thinking. You know, there's that uh, Irving Janus, the guy that, that invented this terminology, he, he actually broke out some symptoms to understand what groupthink uh, indicators are. And it's really important to, to kind of go into that. You know, the first thing 
is with groupthink, they often have these illusions of invulnerability, which basically leads people of the group to be overly optimistic and engage in risk-taking. And um, if you look at the Democratic Party these days, they kind of operate in that illusions of invulnerability, and and sometimes uh, other parties and other people uh, uh, operate in that way. Congress operates in that way, where they believe they're they're invulnerable, and they believe the polls are all right, and that there's no silent majority out there, and they believe all kinds of crazy things. But the bottom line is, hmm, well, there may be some vulnerability. You set yourself up, and you become irrational, and you start beating your chest. You're going to find that. Uh, People see through that, you know, and, and also unquestioned beliefs lead people to ignore uh, possibly moral problems and ignore the consequences of individual and group actions. That's that's a huge thing, you know, that they just ignore possible moral problems. They, they will just they're, they feel so passionate about the group mentality that they would do anything to try to justify it. Also, rationalizing uh, it basically prevents people from reconsidering their beliefs and causes them to ignore warning signs. So they just go crazy and they keep beating their heads up against the same wall thinking they're going to accomplish more and more. And also, really, one of the stronger symptoms is stereotyping, which basically leads people of the in-group to ignore or even demonize out-group members who may oppose or challenge the group's ideas. Also, there's a huge amount of self-censorship, which causes people who might have doubts to basically hide their feelings. And so there's these uh, mind guards that act as uh, self-appointed censors to hide problematic information from outside. Also, uh, illusions of unanimousness, where they believe that everyone is in agreement and feels exactly the same way as they do. You know, and then, then there's also this direct pressure and to conform to often uh, this is placed on people who, who pose questions. And those who question the group are, are often seen as disloyal or traitorous. And so there's some benefits and there, there's a lot of dangers in groupthink. It can have some benefits. You know, when working with a large number of people, it often allows the group to make decisions, complete tasks, finish products quickly and efficiently. However, the phenomenon has a lot of costs. The suppression of individual options, creative thought can lead to poor decision making and efficient problem solving. And so you have to look at what causes all this. You know, what causes this type of thinking? Well, there's a number of things that can influence the psychological phenomenon of groupthink. And it tends to occur more in situations where group members are very similar to one another. And it is one uh, more likely to take place when a powerful and charismatic leader commands the group. Or there's an oppositional uh, a, a charismatic and powerful leader that operates another group and this group that wants to go against it is is lit up by that other group's leadership. And so situations where the group is placed under a lot of stress where moral dilemmas exist also increases the occurrence of group think. So how do you stop this thing? Well, there, there are steps that groups can take to minimize. First, leaders can give group members the opportunity to express their own ideas argue against the ideas that have already been proposed. 
Also, breaking up people into really smaller independent teams can also be helpful. You know, there's some other ideas that can, you know, initially the leader of the group should avoid uh, stating their opinions and preferences when assigning tasks. Give people time to come up with their own ideas first and assign at least one individual to take the role of the devil's advocate. And as I said in the previous segment, you know, uh, discuss the group ideas with outside members in order to get impartial uh, uh, opinions. Encourage group people to remain critical. Don't discourage dissent or challenges to prevailing opinions. And before big decisions, leaders should hold a second chance meeting where members have the opportunity to express any doubts. You know, when 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 present, um, you know the, these these antecedent conditions are 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 to foster extreme consensus seeking characteristics. That means that there's a safer way to make a group decision. You know, uh, uh, this illusions of vulnerability, collective rationalization, stereotypes, censorship, mind guards. You know, all those things that, that Irving uh, uh, brought up is very important for us to, uh, Irving Janus, by the way, for, for us to understand that these are characteristics that take down a group's ability to, to have good uh, decision making. And Irving Janus also said that negative stereotypes of the enemy enhance their sense of moral righteousness as well as their pride in lofty mission of in-group. You know, the tribe often thinks it's a visionary has turned his back on them when in fact a visionary has simply turned his face to the future. And that's a very important thing when you have leadership that will turn towards the future. You know, there's some really good examples of groupthink um, out there. You know, a country that's isolated from others, that like North Korea, is made up of people uh, who want to believe that the country is a major superpower. The country may eventually begin to think as a collective whole, which as we see in North Korea, that's taken place. And they're more, they believe they're more powerful than they really are. And they may take a fatal mistake by going to war with a larger, more powerful country under that delusion. You know, an isolated group of people is another example from the same, uh, let's say, racial or ethnic background who do not know any people personally, but are different from them. The group may, like, let's say in Iraq, um, you know, or in Iran, excuse me, you know, the group may come to distrust or even hate outsiders because they do not understand them and because they want to reinforce the moral superiority and the unity of their own people. You know, a a group of people uh, also as an example who firmly believe in one particular limited political idea or who uh, only watch news, that supports their ideal, let's say in Russia, you know, who, who only associate with people who agree with them, the group may come to hate and distrust people who disagree with them and may come to overestimate their power and influence. China, you know, a, a group of employees at a company is another example with a product that is quickly becoming outdated who are unwilling to consider IBM Uh, new uh, alternatives to advance the industry. So the employees may collectively live in a world where they can't understand why their product is not selling and may refuse to acknowledge the economic reality that they can't survive without uh, assimilating or advancing or 
moving their product to the future. You know, I brought up IBM. IBM's dead. I mean, it's not dead. It's a consulting group. But I mean, the bottom line is their computers are never to be seen. Uh, and that's simply because they maintained a sales force and a product that did not evolve fast enough. And so the, the companies like Dell that, that adapted and conformed and developed their new ideas and, and brought better uh, computers uh, made, the, made the cut. And also look at, at uh, Apple did the same thing. Um, you know, it's just amazing. Groupthink is, is not just an isolated concept or, or, or an abstract philosophy. There's some real, real examples out there of groupthink that can show how destructive it can be to accept the ideas of a group without questioning. And so, once again, uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion, that invasion was planned by Eisenhower. However, the Kennedy administration accepted the idea without question when they took over. And so the administration ignored the questions and accepted stereotypes about Cubans without questioning whether the CIA information made sense. Uh, so we invaded Cuba. And uh, by doing that, uh, Kennedy's invading Cuba, uh, Castro arose, and a whole bunch of things came down, and we can't even go into Cuba now. And now it's its own little communist country, which is unsafe for Americans to go to. Also, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. You know, many of those people at Pearl Harbor did not take warnings from Washington, D.C. about this potential invasion. Uh, they didn't take it serious, despite the fact that the Japanese messages had already been intercepted. And those who didn't take action believed that Japanese wouldn't dare attempt to assault against the U.S. because they would recognize the futility of war with the United States. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. They came right after us, they bombed Pearl Harbor, and guess what? We went to war. And we knew it before they got there. You know, our government knew that. And, and also the mass resignation of a Major League Umpires Association, they resigned back in 99 in an attempt to gain a, a stronger negotiating uh, position, but they overestimated the resolve and the unity of people in their group and the strength of their position Within, within the Major League Baseball, and as a result, their efforts weren't effective. And so lots of people came up from the minors and became umpires and got exposure and got jobs. You know, uh, uh, there's some real-world examples, you know, uh, uh, about out there that demonstrate how people lose sight of what is best for them when they all conform to groups' thinking and uh, abandon their own critical reasoning skills. And it's amazing that we are so lazy that we will allow ourselves to do that. And, and that, that's a really bad thing to do, but we do it. You know, but when we, uh, uh, when we look at, you know, opposite conditions and we hypothesize to, to create uh, extreme consensus seeking uh, to create a group think, this, in turn, is basically going to lead to two categories of undesirable decision-making. The first category, basically, is traditionally labeled symptoms of groupthink. Uh, once again, going back to vulnerability, collective rationalization, stereotypes of people that are outside the group, self-censorship, mind guards, you know, the more belief in the basic inherent morality of the group. And also there's another category and typically identifies 
as symptoms of defective decision making, which involves incomplete survey of alternatives uh, or uh, looking at other objectives, uh, poor information search, you know, failure to basically look at the risks of the preferred solution and the selective information processing, leaving out very important details when coming to a decision. You know, so history and social significance of groupthink is very important. Like, like uh, you know, the concept of, of, of groupthink became a, a, a big hit with the public just three after, years after uh, um, the, 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 the term was introduced. And, and so basically now it's in Webster's uh, dictionary uh, and it's basically defined as a conformity to group values and ethics and then uh, in the popular imagination, groupthink ha- has come to mean any conformity within a group setting. And, and so basically the concept of groupthink is also a hit within academic literature, frequently appears in textbooks and social psychology and organizational management. And so it's very important for people to begin to hear each other. And sadly, a lot of people have trouble listening. They don't like to hear each other. They don't like to create the energy of listening. They wanna get their information quickly, efficiently, and effective. Therefore, we have things like Google. And Google does a lot of great things. Believe me, I use it all the time. But we can't just look at that as the thing that has all the answers. We need to do critical thinking for ourselves and we need to come to our own perspective of the truth. We need to come to our own decisions and we need to take responsibility for our own decisions as an individual. Very important for us to do that. Unfortunately, in today's world, responsibility is not something that people often do. It's an adult behavior that requires you to do critical thinking. That's important. And it's also important if you're going to breed and create children that you also teach them how to have their own critical thinking. And you are the example they need to follow. As a parent, you need to teach them how to think through things rather than think it through for them and make their choices for them. You know, there's a whole big problem with this popularity you know, the, the concept of groupthink has produced overwhelming support. You know, uh, researchers have, have, have looked to uh, apply groupthink framework to a lot of examples, such as uh, Nazi Germany's decision to invade the Soviet Union, uh, Ford Motor Company's decision to market the Edsel, you know, uh, uh, the decision to market the uh, Thalidine. And the tragedy of, of like Kent State uh, during the Vietnam War and the space uh, shuttle, the Challengers disaster, you know, the, those kind of things. Also, the space shuttle Columbia disaster, you know, uh, uh, the city's decisions like Santa Cruz not not to prepare for earthquakes. You know, people make dumb decisions, uh, basically looking at group think or not wanting to go against somebody and basically they lose their their ability. Look at Boeing's Supermax. Uh, people were afraid to go against administrative decisions. Well, the administration didn't dig deep enough and hear the engineers, and guess what? The whole thing had to be taken out of the sky for almost six months, and it's barely getting back, and it's probably gonna barely get back for several years given the COVID situation. And so, you know, that's group think. And in with organizations like Boeing, you have to be really careful 
to, to do that. You have to be really careful to make sure that you're asking uh, uh, yourselves in the group think, am I doing this because I'm afraid to lose my job? Or am I doing this because I want to save people's lives that may be riding on this plane? You know, that's the objective. Safety, period. Safety and comfort, period. And when people get away from that because the group think dynamic takes place, that can destroy a, a, a corporation almost immediately. That can destroy our politics almost immediately. You know, we are meant to debate for a reason. Debate is to help us get different perspectives, not to warp the truth. It's to throw statistics. It's to talk about possible influences, possible ripple effects of decisions. It's very important to do that. You know, groupthink has thrown uh, our society for the last four years basically into, up into turmoil. People are under so much stress because there is so much conflict out there in the world, uh, in America especially, but I, I would say in the world. And you know, people gotta—they gotta start thinking for themselves, and they gotta start seeking out other people's opinions and understand that they don't own the truth. But people like to talk as if they do own the truth, and it's sad to see that, especially when you have to watch it on the news. Um, you know. There's all kinds of things that you can, you know, examples that you can turn to to understand how this stuff happens. But when we look at politics, that is the point of view that we really got to consider in the year that we're in. All right. We're going to talk about politics a little bit and about the group think occurrence. And then we're going to come back and we're going to around and we're going to talk about how we can move away from it. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, 
please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about groupthink, and it's irrational, it's irrational thinking. You know, despite the ideological and social divides currently basically plaguing the culture we live in, the common theme seems to hold across all the differences. You know, Americans can't stand Congress, and that's across the board, whatever party. And they can't stand Congress because they can't get anything done. And they can't get anything done because they all align politically to what they want rather than what's good for the people. And and, 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 and even in a relatively apolitical uh, environment, people seem to be aroused against them with with many speaking out against bills and congressional initiatives and phrases like drain the swamp and abounding on social media the you know basically the assumption is uh, to be that if we could only get the right people in office things would improve however as soon as they get there they assimilate with all the other turkeys that have been there for 50 years or more, and they basically do the same thing that they do because there's a hierarchy based on how long you've been there. And so the committees and the groups and all that stuff are run by people that have either not been in charge of the group and now got it, or the people that uh, have been in charge of the group and never will give it up. And they just tend to uh, cycle through these people that have been there forever and they've all got their strategies and how to do things, and, and they basically teach the others how to do that, and they operate in a system that never changes and never adapts because these old farts that are in office just train them and assimilate the, the new ideas, and also basically they knock them down. And, and so, you know, uh, it would not seem that the problem is people in the system, but it's inherent flaw in the system itself, and that's basically what I'm trying to say. You know, social psychology is not a discipline which will address issues of a political organization. However, many current political issues, including the recent wave of hatred for Congress, can be analyzed, and of governors, by the way, it can be analyzed in the light of social psychological principles, such as the theory of what we were talking about, groupthink. So, you know, there's three risks of groupthink. The first risk is th- this cohesiveness. You know, they, they value their own unity over making a good ethical decision. So very often they, they, they value unity way too high and they fall prey to, to, to basically de-individualization. And so they, and, and guess what we're supposed to be doing when we're about 10 to 15 and on through the rest of our life, learning to individuate. Guess what this country, the United States was built on? Rugged individualism. We are moving to a socialist structure where people don't use their heads. Yet, we have more available information to us now 
and more technology today than we've ever had, ever. But it gets bent by groupthink and turns into a lot of this stuff gets bent and, and turned into something bad when it starts as something good that came from possibly critical thinking. And then we warp ideas and turn them into something that they shouldn't be, like a socialist system out of a democ- d- democracy. Nuts. It's crazy. That's not what our Constitution was written for. And now, if it goes that direction, we're going to have to rewrite our entire Constitution and basically start all over again as a country. Do we have those kind of deep minds out there that are going to be able to do that? No, because they can't even agree with each other. And, and it's sad, but that's the political environment that we live in. You know, it's a matter of yielding to group influence is what group thinks about. So symptoms of that desire for cohesion can include uh, uh, dissenters trying to limit the questioning of the group's decision, limit debates, make sure people don't debate, uh, um, individuals who ensure that dissent is kept to a minimum. That's the way it is. Stick somebody in a basement and leave them there and make sure they're semi-attractive older person and uh, guess what and and then under the pretense of a virus leave them there so that nobody understands what they stand for and they don't even understand what they stand for you know it's not hard to find examples of phenomena in the current political atmosphere you know uh, uh, Bernie Sanders are often touted as uh, as group thinkers who don't toe the party line often they express principles that should take a back seat to party unity you know, uh, 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 there's also politicians like Lindsey Graham who have their own groups of people, uh, obviously Trump groups of people. I would not say Joe Biden, but I'd say Elizabeth Warren has her groups of people. You know, it's, it's sad, but people just don't think. They don't think. And if they voted by, by wisdom, this country would be in a much better place. You know, the second risk for group thinking is a lot of structural faults. That's, that's uh, insulation, closed leadership, being isolated from the outside voices, dissenting opinions. You know, I'd like to know who's really, it's as far, I know what the Republicans' positions, I really don't know what the Democratic positions are these days because they change all the time. And I'm really concerned that that party uh, loses itself uh, because who's really making these choices? It's not Biden. Who's doing it? Who are these people that are behind the scenes making choices for him? I, I, I would love to know that, and I would love to know that people aren't dumb enough to vote for something that they don't even know what they're going to get, except for the fact that they, they're going to get what eight years of Obama and Biden basically gave us. You know, Congress seems to be inherently insulated when it comes to decision making. And in theory, Congress people represent their uh, constituencies' interests at the the federal level. However, most Congress people are not particularly in touch with their uh, consistency or their constituency. And so that isolation and that insulation is not always their fault, but rather a fault in the design. And in Washington's geographically isolated from most of the United States. And so getting in touch with your congressperson could be almost impossible, especially if one's far from Washington. You know, the best case scenario tends to be leaving messages with congressional aides, but chances are, you know, actual direct contact are very low. I know that I had to go through a bunch of congressional aides to get a tour of the White House, which was amazing. And, and, but it took a while. It takes a long time to have a voice. 
you know, uh, the, 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 the risk of groupthink is that the closed leaderships, leaders who say this is how it is, that, that, and which the Republicans have been uh, uh, basically responsible for in some regards, such as Supreme Court, you know, those leaders often play the role of mind guards and they, they quash dissent. They, they, they try to ensure that Congress people behave according to the party line rather than their own beliefs. And it's not hard to find instances of that in politics, especially having to do with fundraising. You know, all the Democratic Party leadership has to do, all Nancy Pelosi has to do is say, you vote that way, I'm going to pull all your funding. Well, that happens. It happens. And so, you know, it, it's it's amazing when, when uh, people like Rand Paul have filibustered on opposition of their own party's agenda, Republican leaders uh, come out and attack them and as traitors or essentially the implication of being that they need to fall in line with their own principles. You know, it's crazy. But the power of the situation is important. The third and final risk for groupthink is the power of the situation. Very often our behavior is much of a function of our circumstances as to our own individuality. We are responsible not always for the situations we're in, but we are responsible for how we choose to react to our situations. So the idea of responding strongly and quickly to a threat is powerful, even uh, evolutionary advantage to it. However, quick and strong responses are not often, if ever, the best decisions. And, and both parties often frame their agendas in opposition to an enemy and, and often the opposite party. And so it's a matter of defeating rather than making a good decision with ro no room for individual principles. However, you know, <laughs> legislation goes crazy. It can be a thousand pages long and, and, and no chance for discussion because nobody has time to read it. You know, time uh, pressures pose a similar risk for groupthink. And so the idea of having to get something, absolutely anything, done before Congress can enact their, their agenda seems to define a modern political rhetoric. You know, what scares me is how quickly these bills have come out to uh, fund uh, businesses and people that, that aren't able to work. Um, yes, it has to happen and it has to happen quickly. But, you know, the thing is, how much of that has been thought through and how are those decisions, those trillion dollar decisions going to affect the future of this country? You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, strategies to combat groupthink. There's some commonalities like the importance of dissent, providing time to examine alternatives. But in the current uh, uh, political climate, it's highly doubtful that either of these strategies is feasible, especially during an election year. You know, Congress as it functions, it is tons of partisan strife both socially and, and, and ge geographically insulated. It doesn't seem to be able to resist groupthink. It's like temptation because people are stupid and lazy and they will do what's easiest rather than what's best. And it's challenging, but if we're gonna vote for people into Congress and into the Senate, into the presidency, they need to be critical thinkers. Need to be critical thinkers. And that's an important element also. How do we avoid, how do we avoid groupthink? How can we uh, have, uh, 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 how can we lead to, to better decisions? By understanding it, you have to identify it first, but then we also have to increase awareness. You know, 
the, the first step towards prevention of groupthink is to make people basically aware of what it is and how and why it occurs. Also in, engage in open discussions. You know, create a culture where employees and people if in a group are encouraged to critically analyze situations and proactively share information and provide feedback. And also keep that research so you don't have to reinvent the, the wheel. You know, also, once again, assigning a, a, a devil's advocate. So you ask somebody who's really sharp on the team to play the devil's advocate to ensure all sides of a topic are explored and discussed or divide the group into smaller teams and then let them present their pros and cons for each option. Also, it's really important not to shoot the messenger. A part of the process of engaging in open discussions, avoiding criticizing anyone who speaks out with alternative opinions, is to model the art of critical listening skills. Listening. Very important. The listener in a conversation is the most powerful person in a conversation. And also, bring people from the outside that are subject matter experts. If you're going to have a discussion, you know, it's important to have people outside the process who are not going to be impacted internally, uh, externally. They can help ensure a full understanding of angles and consequences, uh, consequences and options. The thing is, don't make them the leader because then you'll go to group think again. Also, also you want to document discussion and make sure that that's a part of it. The current situation, the associated problems needs to be put down. Uh, also, possible solutions, uh, the analysis, how is that going to be conducted, the recommended solution and why it was chosen, the high level of implement implementation, timelines, budgets. These are all important aspects of developing decisions involving groups. Also, getting feedback from a different team. If you're still feeling uncomfortable about your process, you could ask a different team to review the information and provide you feedback. And that's an important element. Turner and Prakanis experimentally tested this thing called a SIM model of group think, asking groups of three persons to solve a difficult problem in, in involving uh, productivity of a group of assembly station workers. And so half of the groups were given a unique social identity, like the Eagles or the Cougars, and they, and they asked uh, to list the similarities among the group members. The other groups were not given labels, and they were asked to discuss their dissimilarities. And so what's interesting is the ones that had the dissimilarities were the ones that did more critical thinking, and the ones that were doing by labels were doing more group thinking. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I would love to hear from you. And you can do that on my webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, when we all think alike, no one thinks that much. That's Albert Einstein. You can judge success for any group of people by their reaction to it. <laughs> also, this is by Voltaire. Those who can make you believe in absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Also, I think this is mine. Having a smartphone doesn't make you an effective communicator when all you communicate is what you feel. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 